the appearing. What will it be like? Well, before we get into our message, what's the first thing we need to do, Pathfinders? We need to pray. Amen. So let's bow our heads and ask God's Spirit to be with us. Father in heaven, thank you for bringing us here today on this beautiful Sabbath to worship you. Thank you for our Pathfinder Day and for all of our young people and for the staff that make it possible. Lord, today as we consider the most amazing event in the history of of humankind, an event that is just around the corner, I pray that you would open our minds to the truth from your word. And Lord, may Jesus be lifted up today. May we leave here changed from, from when we came in. And thank you for what you're going to do. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So, here we go. I'm going to get this. I just realized I didn't have my slides going. <laughs> yes. Oh, sorry about that. Okay, here we go. Slides are going. I was off a little bit. The appearing. All right. Let me ask you a question. How many of you enjoy watching a space launch? All right. Kids, do you like watching a space launch? I love watching a space launch. In fact, do you know this last week, there was actually a space launch in Florida. SpaceX launched the first non uh, the first commercial crew into space. Did you know that? It was pretty cool. I watched a little bit of the clip one night. Well, you know, and, and one time I actually got to see the space shuttle Atlantis launch off from Cape Canaveral. It was so cool to see that thing go up and you could actually feel the vibrations if you're close enough. Well, you know, a few years ago, the space shuttle Columbia launched and it was a good mission. But I remember, some of you may remember, it was a number of years ago, it was a Sabbath morning and we got the tragic news that the astronauts, as they were coming home, everything had gone smoothly during that mission, but as they were coming home for a safe landing, something tragic happened. The unthinkable happened. We were stunned and shocked. I remember I came to church that morning, and we found out that those seven astronauts had died as the space shuttle disintegrated upon reentry. Their families and their friends were devastated at the loss. Friends, space travel is inherently dangerous, is it not? It's risky. But tonight, this morning, sorry, I'm still thinking we're at night. This morning, I'm going to tell you about a space journey that does not end in disaster. Amen? I'm going to tell you about a space journey that's not only, to be, it's not only going to begin well, it's going to end well. Our commander, Jesus, is going to get us home. He's coming back to take us on the most amazing space journey ever imaginable. How many of you want to go? Are you ready? Amen. Amen. Past our nearest neighbor, the moon, a quarter million miles away. Past the sun, 93 million miles of Earth. Past the planets, Mercury, Jupiter, Saturn. Past our solar system, higher and still higher. Past the nebula and up through that open door in the the nebula of Orion. He is taking us home. And there is one thing for certain. This space journey is not going to end in disaster. Amen. The second coming of Christ will accomplish what no scientist has ever dreamed possible. Our Lord is going to deliver us from death. Our Lord is going to deliver us from this old ball of mud we call the earth. God's end time plan is revealed in his word. Friends, this is one of the most talked about subjects in the Bible. Do you know how many times, Pathfinders, how many times is the second coming mentioned in the Bible? Does anybody know? Quiz question. This will be on the quiz, okay? Pastor Ashwin, do you know? Oh, 1,000. Oh, close. Actually, it's 2,500, Pastor. He was close. Amen. (laughs) We'll still give you a prize, Pastor. Don't worry. 
Some people have estimated that as much as one out of eight passages in the New Testament mention the return of Jesus. But here's what's strange. With all that biblical data, do you know a lot of Christians don't under, they don't agree on the second coming. You walk into a Christian bookstore and what? You've got all kinds of different books about what the second coming means. So the question I want you all to consider today is this. Could all these different theories about the second coming be right? What do you think? Could they all be right together? No, I don't think so. Of course not. Why is there so much confusion? Maybe is it because God hasn't spoken clearly? Is the information in the, vi- in the Bible so vague that we can't understand it? I don't think so, friends. You see, we're going to put all those other books to the side tonight, this morning. <laughs> I'm going get, to get used to the fact that it's morning. We're going to let the Bible speak for itself. Amen? We're going to look at the Bible to find our answers as to what the coming of Christ will be like. I want to start with what might seem to you like a little bit of a strange question. Did Jesus say that he's coming back? Pathfinders, did Jesus say he's coming back? What do you th- I, that sounds like unanimous yes. Now, amen. Now, after all these meetings together, you say, well, that's a weird question. Of course, uh, Pastor Kyle, we know you believe in the second coming. You've been talking about it. But still, do you know that some people still ask that question? Some people still ask that question. Did Jesus say he's coming back? He absolutely did. One of the clearest passages where he said that is John chapter 14. Some of you Pathfinders may have memorized this. John 14, I want you to read this with me, guys, on the screen. Are you ready? Let's read it together. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many, pause, are many huts. Did it say huts? Shacks? No, many what? Mansions, amen. And is he planning for just a small amount of people? No, for many. He says many, amen. Praise God. Isn't that beautiful? Are many mansions. Now let's keep reading. Here we go. Uh, We're going to keep reading. I go to prepare a place for you. Next slide, please. And if I go and prepare a place for you, what does it say? I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there what? There you may be also. Amen. So you tell me, did Jesus say he was going to come again? Yes, he did, friends. And why is he coming back? Why does this verse say he's coming back? It's because the deepest desire of God's heart is to be with you. It's because he loves you. Jesus isn't coming because he wants to destroy the world. He's not coming because he wants to see a big catastrophe. That's not what prophecy in the book of Revelation is all about. He's coming back because he wants to be with you. God misses us. He wants us to be with him, and he can't wait for that day. Have you ever missed somebody so much you just wish you could be with them? Have you ever experienced that? Maybe you've been separated from a loved one for a long time. Can you imagine how long Jesus has been separated from his loved ones? How much he wants to be with us. That's what the second coming is all about, friends. So yes, the second coming is biblical, and it's some of the best news in the whole world. But what exactly should we expect when that day arrives? This morning I'm going to show you five things. How many things? Five things that you can know for sure about the second coming of Jesus. And this is really, really important because many Christians have read a lot of books but they still haven't understood what the Bible teaches about the second coming. 
And someday soon, knowing the truth, the absolute truth about Jesus' return is going to be really important before he comes because there's going to be deceptions on a global scale. Listen to the words of Jesus about this. Matthew 20, 24, verses 23 and 24. Jesus says, Then if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Again and again, the Bible tells us that there will be deception in the last days. It's going to be a big problem. Even the elect might fall for it. So friends, that means even some Christians might be in danger of falling for these deceptions. Where do we need to go to find truth? The Bible, right? The Word of God. And so according to Bible prophecy, friends, there will be deception, but we can find truth in His Word. Amen? So, if we want to make sure we stand on the Bible... We don't want to trust our senses. We don't want to trust our feelings. We need to trust the Word of God. And here are the five things that we can know for sure about Jesus' return. Number one, what does it say? Jesus will literally return. When Jesus returns, He really returns. It's really going to be Him. I know that seems kind of obvious, but you know, there are some people who say that the second coming is just a symbol. Some people say it's just a metaphor for like a spiritual awakening that you're going to achieve some kind of higher plane of consciousness. But friends, that's not true. And other people say that it's just symbolic of a new period of earth's history. Like when peace and tranquility reign. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The language is obvious. It is a literal return of Jesus. What do you say? Now how do I know that? Let's listen to this passage from the book of Acts. This comes from Acts chapter 1, where Jesus returns to heaven, and the disciples are watching him go up into the sky. Do you remember that story? Look at what the Bible says here. While they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This who? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven, what does it say? Will so come in like manner, amen? As you saw him go into heaven. So the Bible says that this same Jesus who went up into heaven is the same Jesus who's going to come back. And he's going to come the same way he went. So if that's true, let me ask you some questions. If the same Jesus who went up is the same one who's coming back, then I want to know which Jesus went up. Don't you? Does that make sense? And the Bible says it was a real Jesus with a physical body. Now listen to what Jesus says right after he was resurrected from the, death, from the dead. The disciples were having trouble. They were having trouble believing that Jesus was really alive. And I guess that's understandable. I mean, if one of your friends came back from the dead and showed up in your house, it might take a little while for that to sink in, right? Of course, we know the dead know not anything. But Jesus rose from the dead, so he proves it to them. Look at what it says here in Luke 24. He said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. 
Jesus says, I know this is hard to believe, but touch me. He, imagine, the disciples could touch his hand. They could see the scars. He says, I am absolutely real. And then he does something that really proves it. Does, do, do you know what he does? Now, I'm a vegetarian, but you know, Jesus ate fish. <laughs> Some of you are like, yes, amen. Jesus ate food after he was resurrected, and it didn't fall to the floor. He actually ate food. This wasn't a ghost. Jesus came back as a real human being, guys, and that's the same Jesus who went to heaven. It's the same Jesus who's going to come back someday. Amen? And Jesus, is, he is God in human flesh, but he's distinctly human. He's physical. He's got a body. Do you know that he took our nature for eternity? He is going to be like you and me for eternity. That was a sacrifice that he made to save us, friends. He's going to be that way forever. So Jesus will literally return. It's not symbolic. He's not coming spiritually. It's really going to be him. And that means that you and I are going to see this same Jesus the disciples saw on that day. It's not just going to be a Bible story. It's going to be you and Jesus face to face. Are you ready for that day? Are you ready to see Jesus face to face? It's the same Jesus who healed the sick. The same Jesus who fed the 5,000. This Jesus who raised the dead. This Jesus who ascended. He's going to return. And you and I are going to see him. Isn't that good news? When Jesus comes, this is the second point of five today. Christ's coming will be what? Visible. You're going to see it with your own two eyes. How do I know? Remember, the disciples watched him go up, right? They watched him go up into heaven. Here's what Revelation says in chapter 1. Behold, he is coming with clouds, and most eyes will see him. Well, no, what does it say? Every eye will see him, right? When Jesus comes, everybody's going to see it. When you go to the book of Isaiah, the Bible promises that one day the eyes of the blind will be completely restored. Do you realize that when Jesus comes, maybe for the first time, someone's going to see, and who are they going to see for the first thing they're going to see? Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? Every eye will see him, I believe. Even the blind eyes will be opened so they too will see Jesus. What a beautiful day that will be. Every eye will see him come. Listen to the words of Jesus himself. Matthew 24 and verse 30, then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. Now, that must be the saddest statement in the whole Bible. Why in the world would anybody mourn the coming of Jesus? Go back and look at the words of Jesus. Over and over, he says, don't fear, don't be afraid, fear not. In John 14, he says, let not your heart be troubled, right? But in spite of that, there are going to be people who mourn, who cry when Jesus comes. What kind of person doesn't want Jesus to come? Do you guys want Jesus to come? Amen. Amen. I want him to come. But the person who doesn't want him to come is the person who refuses to believe that he is real. It's, it's the person who kept putting off a relationship with Jesus until it was too late. It's the person who isn't ready, and, and now they have to face the judgment day all alone because they haven't chose to put their trust in their Savior. And that's a shame because right now, everybody has the opportunity to be ready. Amen? 
All of us have the opportunity. Friends, there is no reason to be lost on that day. We can all choose Jesus today. So again, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. When Jesus comes, everybody is going to see it. The people who are ready to see it and the people who are not ready, they're going to see it too. And let me tell you something. You're not going to have to turn on CNN or Fox News to see Jesus coming. Amen? (laughs) You're not going to have to see it on Facebook or Twitter. When Jesus comes, you are going to see it for yourself. In fact, the Bible says it's going to be like lightning. Matthew 24, 27, for as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been in a thunderstorm? In Houston, do you have thunderstorms? I know you do because I've seen them. Big ones, right? Really big ones. Pathfinders, how many of you like lightning? Do you ever like to go out when it's lightning and watch the light? It's amazing. Have you ever been flying in an airplane and seen lightning from the airplane? It's it's so cool. In fact, I remember, it's terrible. Oh, it's, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> he said it's terrible. <laughs> He's honest, amen? I have seen it from the place. And you look at, and you can see the whole cloud, and it lights up. Now, you know, I've flown through a thunderstorm in a plane, and that is terrible. That's scary, amen? <laughs> but lightning is beautiful. And when it lights up the sky, you can see it. And I do remember, as a pathfinder, you know what? One thing about pathfinders, let me tell you. If you ever have a Pathfinder camp out, there's one thing that's pretty much guaranteed to happen. It's going to rain. Exactly. <laughs> you Pathfinders know that. And I remember one time we were at Cahutta Springs camp. I was a Pathfinder there in Georgia Cumberland Conference. And we were, it's a huge Pathfinder camp out. We were all camped on the ball field. And sure enough, like every camporee, it, and it thundered and rained. And there was so much thunder and lightning. Everybody could see it. Everybody was like, oh, wow, this is amazing. And then pretty soon, the water came. And guess where our club was camped? On the low end of the ball field. Pretty soon I was floating on my sleeping bag mat. And the next morning, we actually had to evacuate our camp because it got so much water, we went to a house. The next morning, some of our tents had floated down the river. (laughs) Now friends, I don't know about you, but when there's lightning, you can't miss it, right? When there's a storm, you can't miss it. Jesus says that when he comes, It will be like lightning. Nobody is going to miss it. What if I told you that only Christians were able to see it? Would that make sense? No. The language of the Bible is clear. When Jesus comes, everybody's going to see it. Amen? You might say, well, Pastor Kyle, I've heard this theory that says, listen, I know, I get it, I get it. I've heard that theory too. But right now, we're looking at what the Bible says. Amen? The Bible says unequivocally that when Jesus comes, every eye will see him. All right, so let's review. Here's what we know so far. Number one, Jesus will what? Literally return. Number two, his coming will be? And you're going to see it. Now, point number three, when Jesus comes, you're going to hear it. You're going to what, everyone? Hear it. It's going to be audible. How do I know that? This is what the Bible teaches. Listen to how Jesus describes his return. Matthew 24, 31, and he will send his angels with a great sound of a, now, does anybody here play trumpet? Oh, we don't have any trumpet players? Okay, trumpet is loud. Have you ever heard a trumpet? Especially someone who's learning to play the trumpet. (laughs) 
It's, did I, t uh, <laughs> I wasn't planning to say this. I actually learned how to play the bagpipes. And I didn't really learn, I was trying. Okay, I was trying. And you know what my mom would say? She would say it sounded like a dying cow, it was so loud. <laughs> she wouldn't let me practice inside. I had to go practice on the driveway because it was so loud. It was like, <laughs> if you've seen a bagpipe, you know you're trying to pump the thing. Anyway, it was not quiet, it was loud. So friends, when Jesus comes, it says he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. Amen, not a bagpipe. And they will gather together his elect from the four winds. Did you notice there, young man, the four winds? Here we see those four directions. It means universal, from one end of heaven to the other. So this is going to be really, really loud. How loud is it going to be? Loud enough to wake the dead. Amen? The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a what? with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. When Jesus comes, he returns with a shout. And it's going to be so loud that the dead come back to life. Amen. You've heard that expression, loud enough to wake the dead? Friends, that's a biblical concept. We got that from the second coming of Christ. Jesus said in John chapter 5, Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming when all who are in the grave will hear his voice, amen. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. This is one of my favorite promises in the whole Bible. Folks, if God yells, do you think we're going to hear it? If the trumpet of God has sounded all over the planet, do you think we're going to hear it? Nobody is going to miss the second coming. It's the biggest commotion in the history of the planet, friends, and you are going to hear it. Amen. Some people say, well, Jesus is really quiet in those Jesus movies, right? He's kind of, you know, very solemn and quiet. Friends, have you ever been with somebody who's been waiting to see somebody for a long time, maybe a parent with their kids? What do the kids do? They yell, right? They're excited. Even the mom and the dad, they'll yell. They're excited to see each other. Do you think Jesus is going to be loud when he sees us? He is because he misses us. You know, the Bible says that one day the ears of the deaf will be unstopped in Isaiah 35. Amen? And I believe that not only will the first thing people, some people see be Jesus, the first voice people are going to hear, those deaf people, the first voice they've ever heard is going to be the sweet voice of Jesus. Amen? And you and I are going to hear it too on that day. Friends, this is good news, amen? He comes literally, a real Christ comes. He comes visibly, every eye will see him. And the good news is he comes audibly, everyone will hear him. Have you lost a loved one to death? Maybe you've known someone during this year of COVID. You've lost someone precious to you or you've known someone that was laid in the grave. Have you lost a little baby to death? Maybe a son or daughter who died the grave is marked by God. The Bible says the Lord himself shall descend with a shout, and that shout will pierce the tomb of every believer. It says with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, the trumpet of victory, the trumpet of triumph, the trumpet of conquest over death. The Bible says the dead in Christ will rise first. The good news is, friends, one day Jesus will say, John, come forth. 
Mary, come forth. Chad, come out of that grave. Doreen, come forth with a new resurrected body. No more sickness anymore. No more COVID anymore. No more cancer anymore. That loved one is going to come out of the tomb and be caught up in glory and immortality to meet Christ in the air forever. The Bible says that we who are alive will be, and remain will be caught up together with who? With them. Who is that, friends? The righteous dead who are resurrected. The righteous dead who have been sleeping in their graves. We will be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And notice it says, we shall always be with the Lord. Notice the beauty of those words. The intimacy of those words. Those words are saturated with love. Friends, God is not going to come back silent. Amen? He is looking forward to seeing us. Psalm 50, verse 3. Our God shall come and shall not keep silent. A fire shall devour before Him and it shall be very tempestuous all around Him. We're going to hear it, friends. It is an audible event. So Jesus is going to come back literally. He's going to come back visibly and audibly. You're going to see Him come. And point number four. When Jesus comes... Friends, it's going to put the 4th of July to shame. Amen? You thought you'd seen a big fireworks show. You have seen nothing yet. It's going to be the most glorious event in the history of humankind. Let's go back and look at that passage from Psalm 50 one more time. Our God shall come and shall not keep silent. A fire shall devour before Him, and it shall be very tempestuous all around Him. This is a big event. This is a huge event. And according to the Bible, it's tempestuous. Listen to this description from the book of Revelation. And the heavens departed, Revelation 6, 14. And the heavens departed as a scroll when it is rolled together. Have any of you seen a scroll? It's like that hymn, It Is Well. It's in that, it's in that hymn, right? When Jesus comes, the whole sky comes unglued. The earth is shaking and the mountains and the islands are moving around. And then you and I will see Jesus. Now listen carefully to these words. Matthew 16. For the Son of Man will come in His glory. In the glory of His Father with His angels. And then He will reward each according to His work. Now notice this. When Jesus comes, He gives out what? What does it say, friends? He gives out rewards. And that's because the judgment has already finished. Remember, we talked about the judgment a few nights ago. The judgment time is now. The judgment finishes when Christ comes. So when Christ comes, everything is final. The books are closed. There's no chance to, know, to change your mind. You've already chosen your destiny. And that means, friends, when is the, time right to make, when is the right time to make things right with God? When is it? It's right now. Bible says when Jesus comes, it's going to be absolutely glorious. He comes with the glory of the Father and all His angels with Him. Now, how many angels do you think there are? Anybody want to guess? Pathfinders, how many angels do you think there are? How many do you think? A lot. That's a good answer. A lot. Someone said hundreds. Someone said thousands. Let's look at Matthew 25 to see if we find an answer. Jesus says, when the Son of Man shall come in His glory, and how many of the holy angels? All the holy angels with him, then he shall sit upon the throne of his glory. Now, elsewhere, the Bible says when Jesus comes, heaven is silent. Why is heaven silent when Jesus comes? 
because everybody's coming to get us. The entire heaven empties out because everybody wants to be here on that day. So all of these angels, so how many angels? Someone said a hundred, someone said a thousand. Listen to this, Revelation chapter five, verse 11. This is amazing, guys. A description of the angels in the throne room of heaven. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Now, Pastor Ashwin, I know you said you're not good at math, right? So can I ask you a math question? What, <laughs> what is 10,000 times 10,000? Anybody, can somebody tell me? What was it? Does anybody know what's 10,000 times 10,000? Steve, do you know? I'm putting you on the spot. All right. I think it's 100 million. Am I right? I'm looking at some math people. And not only that, when it says thousands of thousands, could that mean thousands of millions? Friends, probably billions of angels. Can you imagine? Billions of angels. Amazing. And think about this. Look at the, looking back at the book of Daniel and the judgment scene, remember it says 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The judgment was set and the books were open. At bare minimum, it's 100 million, but it's probably billions. Jesus returns with all of them. Amen. Do you think it's going to be bright and glorious? Do you remember what happened at the tomb of Jesus when just one angel came and sat down on that stone? What happened to those guards? They fell back as dead men because it was so bright. Imagine that times billions. That's enough to make, whew, that's going to be amazing. The most beautiful thing you've ever seen. And one day, friends, your eyes are going to see it. When Jesus comes, it's really going to be him. When Jesus comes, every eye will see it. When Jesus comes, every ear will hear, hear him. And when Jesus comes, it's going to be stunningly glorious. Amen. It's going to be the most spectacular event in the history of the world. And when Jesus comes, it marks the end of the world's history. It's final. There's nothing that you can do to stop it, and there's nothing that you can do to change it. It will be the stone crushing the statue, the kingdom of God replacing every other human kingdom. It will be final, friends. When Jesus comes, the decisions are made. The rewards are final. Listen to the words of Jesus in the book of Revelation. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I am coming quickly, and what? My reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. At this moment, friends, it's all over. The judgment is finished, and the angels close the books. The rewards are final. If you've chosen Jesus... That now lasts forever. And if you've rejected him, that's permanent too. Because when Jesus comes, he hands out all the rewards at the same time. There are no more second chances. That's why in the, in the camp of Israel, remember they blew the trumpet 10 days before the Day of Atonement. If you've, got to, you've got to make things right with God. When Jesus comes, there's only two groups of people. There are those who are ready and there are those who are not. Those two groups will react completely differently when they look up and they see Jesus. On the one hand, you've got a people who, who put off deciding for him. They blew it. They refused to believe. And the Bible records these sad words. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, and every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and the rocks, 
fall on us and hide us from the face of Him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of His wrath has come and who is able to stand? Sad words. Sad words. But imagine that. These people, these commanders are afraid of a lamb. That doesn't, it's not a lion, it's a lamb. That's Jesus. Do we have to be afraid of Jesus? Friends, we shouldn't be. Jesus loves us. They're only afraid of him because they rejected him. You'll notice, they know who he is, don't they? When they look up and they see him, they know that it is Jesus. And that's because at this point, the message of Jesus has gone to the whole world. They know who Jesus is, and they still rejected his invitation. Friends, it shows how pointless it is to be lost, right? Everybody has the chance of salvation. These people react this way because they know that they've blown their chance. They know that it's final. A story goes there were three men in a life raft in the middle of the ocean. And they were given one wish. Each of them was given one wish. This is just an illustration, okay? This didn't really happen, okay? Just a story. They were in the life raft. They were given one wish. The first one, he wished that he could be back with his wife and his kids. Okay? That's what he wanted. The second one, I wish that I could be back with my girlfriend. I'm tired of being out in this life raft. You know what the third one wished? He said, well, if you two are both gone... I'm going to wish that my two friends would come back here because I don't want to be alone on a life raft. (laughs) Wait a minute. You would bring us back to this? (laughs) How could you? You have one wish. You could go anywhere else in the world and you choose to be in a life raft in the middle of the ocean about to die. But do you see, friends, that's what a lot of people choose. God God offers us the most incredible wish. He offers us the blessed hope of being with Him forever. Why doesn't everybody choose God and living forever? Incredibly, so many people reject God. They reject what He's offering them. They walk away from Him. And when they do, someday they're going to call for the mountains to fall on them. But friends, nobody has to have that ending. Everybody can choose eternal life with Jesus. Amen? And it will be said in that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for Him, and He will what? Save us. This is a group that you want to be a part of. Amen? Don't you want to be a part of this group? This is the Lord. We have waited for Him. We will be glad and rejoice in His salvation. Let me tell you today, there is no reason not to be in this group, friends. There is still time to choose. These people are excited to see Jesus. And when Jesus shouts, they shout because they can't wait to see Him. Can you imagine when Christ comes that day? Streaming down the corridors of the sky, the earth is illuminated with the glory of God. The ground rumbles, the buildings shake, lightning flashes, thunder crashes. 10,000 times 10,000 angels speed with haste as the graves are opened and believers come forth to everlasting life. Their bodies no longer have the curse of sin. There's no more deaf ears, no more blind eyes, no more arthritic limbs, no more diseased bodies, no more victims of cancer or heart disease. Believers are looking up. Christ is coming. It's the most magnificent event in the history of the universe. Instantly, our mortal bodies that have been subject to death and disease receive immortality. What a day that will be when Jesus comes. Amen? What a day. Instantly we're transformed. In the twinkling of an eye, we shall be changed. New life pulsates through our bodies. We radiate with health and joy and gladness. 
and Christ descends in glory, we sing His praises and our bodies are changed from corruptible to incorruptible. Praise His name. We see the dead resurrected. We see our brother, our sister, our son or our daughter, our mom or our dad come out of the tomb with glorious new immortal bodies. Angels present them to us again. We embrace with tears flowing down our cheeks and we ascend together always to be with the Lord Jesus. Picture this scene, friends. Loved ones embracing, families reuniting. This is the greatest scene in all the ages. Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty, just and true are your ways. We see him coming as King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. Right now, friends, the choice is yours. There are only two groups, but you get to choose. And I don't know about you, but it seems there's only one good decision. I want to be among those who welcome Jesus with, with open arms, don't you? How many of you want to be in that group? Praise God. Praise God. Five points, friends. Jesus will literally return. Number two, it will be visible. Number three, it will be audible. Number four, it will be stunningly glorious. And number five, it will mark the end of this world's history. Amen. I want you to look at these points very carefully because before we close, I want to ask you a question. How do these five points fit with most modern thinking about the second coming of Christ? What do you think? It's really a big question because right now there are lots of people that believe lots of different things about Jesus coming. One of them looks like this. It says that at some point, Jesus suddenly comes for his people. He takes the believers back to heaven and leaves everyone else behind. Have any of you ever heard of this theory? It was popularized in a book called Left Behind. It's Pathfinders, this is a few years back, but you may remember there was also a series of movies that was created about this. The Antichrist appears, and for the next seven years, the world undergoes a terrible tribulation. And then at the end of that tribulation, Jesus comes back again with the believers and sets up his kingdom, his kingdom on the earth. Now, there's different variations of this. Some say that the Antichrist comes somewhere in the middle of those seven years. But in general, this is what that theory looks like. The question is, is this theory accurate according to the Bible? After all, it's a theory, right? And every theory needs to be examined by what? By the Word of God. So that's what I want to do really quick. Now, in a lot of ways, it does have elements of truth in it. For one, it teaches that time is running out more quickly than people think. Is that true? Yes. Number two, it teaches, at least in some of the popular versions, that before Jesus comes, there will be a massive deception and millions of people will be pulled away from God. And that's also true. Okay? It teaches also that the safest, most reliable place to secure your beliefs in the last days is in the Word of God. Now, I can't argue with that. Amen? And it teaches that the time to make your decision is now, not the final crisis. So in a lot of ways, there are truths to that theory. No question about it. But I still have some questions, and really the first question is one that was posed by a guy, a guy named Dr. Roland Bingham. He was the editor of Christianity Today. Have any of you heard of Christianity Today? Okay, it's a popular Christian magazine. He tells the story. He was trying to write a sermon on a Saturday night, and his wife suddenly asks him a question. She says, she knocks on the door. She says, Roey, I'm just making that up. That was her nickname for him, maybe. Roey, I have to teach Sunday school in the morning and we're talking about the second coming. And I'm looking for that verse where Jesus comes back and secretly steals away all the believers. Do you know where that verse is, Roey? 
Oh, that's easy, he said, as he's trying to write a sermon. It's 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. So she goes away and she reads it. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Huh, she says. That doesn't seem right. So she goes back and she says, Honey, um, that might be the noisiest verse in the whole Bible. Listen to what Roland Bingham says. <laughs> this is a quote from him. In sheer desperation, I took out my Bible and threw myself helplessly on the Lord. The weeks that followed my innocent query and the trouble into which it landed me is a separate story. If you hold the theory of a secret rapture of the church, try out that simple question on yourself. Interesting. Interesting. What question is he talking about? Where is it in the Bible? I think it's a very valid question, friends. All my life I've heard about a secret coming of Christ. Some of you have heard about that too. And if it's factual, where should you find it? In the Bible. So look at our five absolute certainties one more time, right? When Jesus comes, it will be literal, right? It will be visible. It will be? It will be stunningly. And it will mark the end of this world's history. If you look at this carefully, you won't find a theory of a secret coming anywhere in there. So remember, everybody sees him at the exact same time. Listen to what the Bible says again. The sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. This is Jesus speaking, and he's the one who knows. And they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with what? Power and great glory. Now, I know some people say, well, that's describing the wicked. Well, this is when Jesus comes back after. They say, this is when Jesus comes back after the seven years of tribulation. Now, I might be able to consider that, except for the next verse that says something very clear. It says, this happens at the same moment that Jesus comes for the believers. Matthew 24, 31, and he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. The wicked are mourning the second coming at the very same moment when Jesus comes with all his angels to what? To gather the righteous together. Do you guys see that? It all happens at the same time. We all see it. He's not coming quietly for the righteous and then publicly for the wicked sometime later. Jesus said it will happen like it did during the flood. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. So here's the question. Did the righteous and the wicked experience the flood together? Yes or no? Did they? Absolutely. Here's the truth of the matter. You can search the Bible from cover to cover. I have searched it, friends. You're not going to find Jesus coming secretly for the believers before the end. It's just not in there. Now, if that's not the way you've always thought about it, I understand. You're absolutely not alone. I want you to search this out for yourself in the Word of God. Amen? It is important to know what the Bible says. Now, honestly, there are a few more troubling questions. Like, for example, when does the Antichrist appear? According to the most popular theory, the Antichrist makes his appearance after Jesus comes for the church. It happens at some point during that seven-year tribulation. That seems to make sense except for one small problem. Paul says that before the Antichrist, Paul says rather that the Antichrist makes his appearance before Jesus comes for his church. 
when Paul wrote his letter to the second, his first letter to the Thessalonian church, they got so excited by the description of the second coming that they assumed it was going to happen at any minute. And so Paul writes a second letter, and he explains that there are a few things that have to happen first. Look at this verse, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together in him, to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as, is fr- as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one, what? deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now there's a lot there, but Paul couldn't be any clearer. Jesus doesn't come for the church until after who? until after this man of sin, this antichrist appears. There's no mistaking it. It doesn't fit that popular theory. And honestly, friends, there's more. The Bible also teaches that the antichrist is destroyed by the brightness of Christ's coming. Look at verse 8. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will what? Consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Do you see it, friends? When Jesus comes for his church, everything is finished. The lawless one is destroyed, and the story of this planet is finished. There are no second chances. But in that theory, there is a second chance. During those seven years after Jesus comes for the church, it's a popular theory, friends, but it's not in the Bible. It should raise all kinds of red flags when you look at it. Remember what Jesus said about his second coming. He who is unjust... Let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. Friends, when Jesus comes, there are no more second chances. When Jesus comes, there's no more makeup exams. It's over. That's the end. That most popular theory in the world today is not in the Bible. Here's the biblical scenario, friends. According to the plain facts of the Bible, at some point in history, the Antichrist appears. And then Jesus returns in glory to end world history. Amen. Those are the undisputed biblical facts. And honestly, in recent years, more and more people are discovering that we should have been reading the Bible more carefully. Amen. The second coming of Christ will not be a secret. Amen. Will it be a secret, yes or no? Everybody's going to see it. Friends, once again, let's review our five certainties about his return. Jesus will. It will be. It will be. It will be stunningly. And it will mark. Amen. You guys get an A+. Good job, Pathfinders. Can you guys remember those five points about Jesus' return? Do you think you would be able to? Amen. Good job, guys. Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for who? For you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, 
I will come again, Jesus says, and receive you to Myself that where I am... Amen, friends. You know, there's a story from China. 2008. Do you remember there was a big earthquake in 2008 in China? Many people died. Many days later, they heard a baby cry. They pulled the cement away as they were trying to find this baby. They heard it crying in the rubble and they pulled the cement away and there, underneath the cement, they found a mother. She had passed away. But she was covering her baby. She was protecting it. And as they pulled that baby that was still alive out, a phone dropped out of its arms. It was a cell phone. And on the screen of the cell phone, the mother had typed, if you should survive, remember, your mother loved you. Friends, God gave His life. He protected us. He gave His life that we might have life forever. He's not going to waste it on the cross. He's going to come back because He loves us. He loves you so much, friends. There's a family that laid their baby in the grave, but now there's a rumbling. Lightning flashes. They look up and they see Jesus coming. Lightning flashes from the east to the west. An angel comes and the dead are resurrected. And mama holds that baby in her arms again. Amen. Friends, is there anything that would keep you from being ready for the coming of Jesus Christ? I remember when I first heard about Jesus coming again a long time ago. I was a young pathfinder, actually. But some of my family didn't believe that Jesus was coming soon. Some of my friends didn't believe it. I remember being made fun of when I would talk about the second coming of Jesus in school. They would make fun of, oh, why do you believe that stuff? Why do you believe that? Is he really coming, Kyle? You know what, guys? With all my heart, I stand before you today and I tell you that I believe Jesus is coming. And His coming is sooner today than it was when I was a boy. We are closer than ever before. If anything this last year has taught us during COVID, it's that we are living at the knife edge of eternity. You and I don't have a lot of time left. Today is the day of salvation. One day... We're going to look up and say, behold, this is our God. We have waited for Him and He will save us. How many of you want to be ready for that day, friends? How many of you want to be there on that day? Amen? There was a man they called the balloon man. Everywhere. He always had a bunch of balloons. Everywhere he went. And one day he went to a county fair and he won a drawing. He won one week on a cruise ship. Amazing. So he got in the taxi. He had all his balloons holding him out the window because he would never let go of his balloons because he was the balloon man. When he got on the ship, he kept his balloon, his bunch of balloons. It came time for dinner, and he wanted to go to the nice buffet dinner, but he couldn't go inside with the balloons. They wouldn't let him go in with the balloons because he couldn't fit them in. So he had to stay on deck and just eat crackers for dinner. It was time to go to bed. He had a beautiful room that had been paid for. But he couldn't go to bed. He couldn't go into his stateroom because he couldn't get inside with all of his balloons. So what did he do? 
he just slept out on the deck. Night after night on that beautiful cruise, he just ate crackers and slept on the deck because he couldn't go inside, because he wouldn't let go of his balloons. He was the balloon man. Finally, it came to the last day of the cruise. The captain had seen him out on the deck. The captain wanted him to come inside and experience what it was like to come into the dining room, to be with the captain. The captain even wanted him to come and sit at the captain's table. And so he came out to the balloon man and he said, Mr. Balloon Man, you've been here all week. You've been out on this deck, cold, eating crackers. I want you to come in. I want you to sit at my table. It's five o'clock. This is your last opportunity. Finally, the balloon man looked at his balloons. He looked at the captain who was inviting him inside. And for the first time in his life, he finally decided to let those balloons go. And that night, he got dressed and he went to the captain's table and he had a wonderful time with the captain who had invited him in. Friends, how many of you have, are holding on to something like that balloon man that's keeping you from eating at the captain's table? The captain is inviting you today. Come. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from eternity. There is nothing worth missing out for that kingdom, friends. There is only one thing that can satisfy that is Jesus Christ. This is not a fairy tale. This is not make believe. This is reality. Don't let anything keep you from the captain's table. How many of you want to say today, I don't want to let anything keep me from the captain's table? Would you just stand with me? If that's your commitment, Pathfinders, would you stand? If you want to say, I don't want to let anything keep me from being at the captain's table, I want to be ready when Jesus comes. Friends, this is the best news ever. We're going to pray. Before you leave today, I want to encourage you. There's a decision card. I want to encourage you to fill that out. Turn that in. But you know, I'm just impressed at this moment to make an appeal. Maybe there's somebody here today. Something has been keeping you from sitting at the captain's table. Something has been holding you back from being ready for Jesus to come. And today you just want to surrender that to Jesus. You just want to give your heart to him and say, Lord Jesus, whatever I'm holding on to, I don't want to hold on to it anymore. I want to be ready to meet you when you come. I want to have special prayer for you. I'm going to ask Pastor Ashwin to come. We'd like to have special prayer for you today. If that is you, if you just want to say, Lord, I don't want to let anything stand between me and you. I want to invite you to come forward right now. Just come forward wherever you are. Just slip out of your seat. We're going to have special prayer. Pastor is going to be here. Is there anything that maybe has kept you? God bless you, sister. Just come down. We want to have special prayer for you today. Friends, you don't want to miss out on being at the captain's table. Jesus is asking you, give me your heart. Surrender your heart fully today. Today is the day of salvation. I know there's somebody else. There's something, somebody else who's struggling. You've been struggling with something. You need to come down. God bless you. Jesus says, come, dine at the captain's table. I want to be with you forever. You can be young. Anybody that wants to come, this is your opportunity. Tell the Lord Jesus, I want to be ready for that day. I want to be ready to see you when you come. Just come down now.
We're going to have special prayer for you. God bless you guys. I'm just going to leave it open for a little bit longer. Today is your day to say, Lord, I want to be ready. As we pray, you can still come down and surrender your heart to Jesus. His coming is so soon. Today is the day of salvation. Don't worry about what other people are thinking. Just come down. We're going to pray for you. Pastor Ashwin, I'm going to turn it over to you at this time. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. Dear, loving, forgiving, healing, merciful, wondrous Savior Jesus, in the stillness of this moment, we feel the presence, your presence, of your sweet Holy Spirit. Lord, we are living in the last days. Amen. Lord, we know that your coming is even at the door. Lord, we just thank you for the message from your manservant today. A timely, relevant message that reminds us, Lord, that though this world is in a mess, that though man is running forward and to and fro in confusion and fear, there is hope today. Amen. Hope in the second coming of you, our loving Savior, Jesus. Yes. Lord, we thank you for what you did on that cross. That means that each one here and each one in this, in this confused, messed up world, Lord, has a chance of living with you Amen. and the host of angels and our Father God for all of eternity. We praise you today for that great sacrifice on that cross. But Lord, we know your work isn't finished because you are indeed coming again. And so we praise you today. And I just, Lord, want to place these individuals, these courageous individuals who have come forward today. Amen. Lord, you know them. You know each one. You know their heart. You know their minds. And Lord, I praise you that they have taken this step today to come forward to say, Lord, we love you. We, want to, we are here today to say publicly that we are letting go of all of that baggage that the devil has loaded on our shoulders. And we, because we feel your freedom through the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. And so we'll be praying for each individual right now that you would continue to equip and empower them with your sweet, peaceful, powerful Holy Spirit. Yes. And Lord, bless them today. Mm. For today, Lord, they have made the most important decision that they will ever make. And that is to accept you as their Lord and soon coming Savior, Jesus. Lord, thank you for being here today. Continue to bless us. Continue to protect us. Continue to remember, Lord, that there is hope in your name. Amen. As we go from this place now, where we never depart from your presence, that everyone here today who genuinely, passionately believes that you, dear Jesus, are coming again, say amen. 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 God bless you. God bless you. If we can just talk with those who have come forward, if you'd like to join Pastor Jaffee and myself, and we'd just like to maybe just go into that corner room and just pray with you. God bless you.